reading from the book of Isaiah. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat herds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from all sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the young woman shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. A genealogy of Jesus, the Anointed One, the descendant of David and Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac of Jacob, Jacob of Judah, and his brothers, Judah of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed of Jesse, Jesse of David the king. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Uriah's widow. No scandal there. Solomon of Rehoboam, Rehoboam of Abijah, Abijah of Asa, Asa of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat of Jehoram, Jehoram of Uzziah, Uzziah of Jotham, Jotham of Ahaz, not to be confused with Asa, Ahaz of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Manasseh, Amon, Amon 
of Josiah, Josiah of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel of Abiud, Abiud of Eliakim, Eliakim of Azor, not to be confused with Aza, Azor of Zadok, Zadok of Achim, Achim of Eliud, Eliud of Eleazar, Eleazar of Mason, Mason of Jacob, Jacob of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Anointed One. So, the whole number of generations from Abraham to David is 14, from David to the exile to Babylon, 14, and from the exile to Babylon to the, to the Anointed One, 14. This is how Jesus, the Anointed One, was born. What we just heard, and I will just admit it right up front, that thinking, oh wow, he, all, those, all those names, pronunciation, you make them up. I mean, half these names you don't know how to pronounce, you just make, a, make it up. Because what I discovered traveling in Israel back in the late 90s is, depending on who you're talking to, which tribe they're from, uh, what their religious background, are they Arab Christian, are they Jewish, are they Israeli, are they Palestinian, all of these names get pronounced differently. So just go for it. So don't be too impressed. But what you just heard was the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. And here's the question for today. Based on what you just heard, that leads into this very brief story of the birth of Jesus. What was important to this author, and what was important to these ancient people that first generated this version of the story? Say again. Who they came from? Uh, Susan? Family, family, lineage, yeah, keep going. Mary being a virgin. Pardon me? Mary being a virgin. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I can tell you what wasn't important to this author and these ancient people. One was whether she was a virgin or not, that whole purity thing, because if you actually were listening to this version of the story and they changed it, uh, come the 4th century of the Common Era, it doesn't say to a young virgin a baby was born, it says to a young woman. Right. This has nothing to do with virginity or purity. In fact, it wasn't an issue for this ancient community. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> so what else? So what was important to them? Family, where they come from, lineage, what else? Part of King David's family, again, that whole lineage thing, you betcha. What else? Communion of Communion Well, um, our, in, in the Christian tradition, when we start looking at where we come from, who we are, and where we come from, what we key into is what Marietta just mentioned, called the Communion of the Saints. It's the ancestors. Those who have come before, those who we currently gather with, and for us, in the Christian tradition, the communion of saints also includes those yet to come. 
Would demographic have anything to do with it where they were located? Absolutely, John, you betcha. So it places them in history, it places them in their lineage. What was important to these people is who they are and where they come from. And then somebody at the 8 o'clock service noticed that whole 14 thing. Yeah. You know, good luck. Do Google it, see what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some numerological thing going on there. I don't know what it is. And again, it really, it doesn't matter for our purposes, but it may have held great significance, again, for this ancient community. But this is the piece of the story that sets up the rest of the story. All these things, this whole lineage, this family, and if you research these people, you would discover some rather, what shall we say, colorful characters <laughs> who did some rather colorful things. Who, from the vantage point of our families, I mean, if you think about you know, who you are and where you come from, we have this tendency these days to shuffle our colorful history and lineage under the rug, don't we? <laughs> yeah. But here, what you discover, if you actually research all these ancestors of Joseph, is it's just raw. Yeah, one of them was a prostitute, and you know, one of them killed somebody's husband, get his, get her, his wife, and I mean, there's some crazy, nasty stuff going on if you were to research all these people. And in the ancient community, among these Jewish folks, they go, yes, that's us. And that's the other piece of this. Their lineage, and what's important in this story, is that they're Jewish. This is the Jewish gospel among the four. It is Jewish through and through. And one of the other clues for that, besides this genealogy that begins the story, is the character of Joseph. And here, in this story, Mary is silent. Elizabeth, her cousin, doesn't exist. Never comes up in the story. There's nothing about John the Baptist or Jesus being related. None of that is included in this story. It focuses on Joseph and this lineage and Joseph's big challenge, which has a good Jewish man would have been his answer to this question. What does it look like to live a righteous life? Not to be confused with self-righteousness. Yes? Just so we're clear. Righteousness understood from the ancient tradition, from the Jewish tradition, and from the vantage point of their scriptures. Righteousness understood as how am I going to live today in a way that lines me up with the agenda of God? And in a way that reflects and embodies the justice of God, which, oh, by the way, is not punitive, God is out to get you kind of baloney that you hear about the Hebrew scriptures all the time, but a God whose justice is rooted deeply in compassion. That's 
the widow and orphan and the stranger and the refugee and the foreigner are taken care of. That kind of justice. What does it look like to line myself up today with that agenda? And so, we hear about Joseph, this good Jewish, this righteous Jewish man who is caught with a dilemma because he finds out that his betrothed is with child and he didn't do it. I probably don't want to know. (laughs) And so he leans back initially on the ancient instruction of God, which comes out of Torah. I mean, some of it written, some of it handed down, some of it again, sort of. um, evolved into their life, but he leans back on the instruction of God on Torah, which says, well, if you find yourself in a situation like this, you can just sort of quietly divorce, or actually, in this case, never follow through on the marriage, and, you know, shake the dust off your feet, um, head for the hills, and never look back, and, you know, the family can sort of, her family can sort of take care of the rest of us. And so that, that's where the, the ancient tradition would come from. But then Joseph has a little encounter, does he not? Who comes to Joseph? The angel. An angel. And what does the angel say? Don't be afraid. Which is the signal to... Be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll run across this over and over again uh, in the stories about Jesus, but in this one in particular, angels says, don't be afraid, just suit up, show up, marry the gal, and get on with your life, uh, which, which he does. And according to this story, Joseph exercises the righteousness of the ancient tradition and the righteousness of his lineage and all these crazy people from whom he comes who know the law, understand the letter of the law, and then pay attention to their hearts. And so Joseph's answer to the question, what would it look like today to line myself up with the agenda of God is to marry a woman who the ancient tradition says, just walk away. And so, you and I get to ask ourselves, I think, a couple of questions. One, who are we? And maybe more importantly, where do we come from? I mean, on whose shoulders do we stand? And then, of course, the question that follows, well, and what are we going to do about it? (laughs) And are are we going to play that mind game that we hear all the time? Well, just read the book, read the book, read the Bible. It'll tell you everything you need to know. It's got all the answers, right? (laughs) We hear this ad nauseum, don't we? I mean, just like the ancient ones, and, and I can guarantee you, 
even in the first century of the common era, in Joseph's time, there would have been people that he'd gone to talk to and said, you read them up. You know, follow the rules. But I think you and I have been around the block just enough times to know it's never quite that simple, is it? <laughs> and so you and I, we, we have some resources. One is we have each other. I mean, in order to answer basically the question that's raised by this story, what does it look like to line ourselves up with the agenda of God, the compassion of God, let's be clear about that one. We have a community. I mean, right here. This is our number one resource right here. We suit up, we show up, we spend this time together and begin to come to grips with answers to that question about being righteous people. Sometimes the answers are clear, sometimes not so much. But we have each other to work that out, to talk amongst ourselves, to pray together, to worship together, like we're here today. This is our number one resource. And then we have other things that we can employ, our own prayer, um, opportunity to look to be a servant, get out of our head, right? Be present to another's suffering in a way that um, may answer the question itself. What does it look like to align ourselves with the agenda, with the compassion of God? And so this story, the story is ours. Who are we? Where do we come from? I mean, think about it. Think about that one. Who has influenced you your life, the way that you make decisions, more than anybody else. And there may be more than one person in your life. I found out this summer when Marietta and I were with uh, my crazy Polak um, family in Cleveland and Columbus, I heard a story I'd never heard before about my grandfather, my dad, dad, who everyone, Polish Catholic, right, raised Catholic. He attended uh, Catholic school through high school, but they learned everything they did in school was in Polish. And when he graduated in 12th grade, decided it was time to go get a job, and didn't realize until that moment that he couldn't because he didn't speak English. Living here in America, he couldn't speak English. <laughs> and he was furious. So much so that he told the church where to put it. <laughs> and he never looked back. And, and this explains so much of our growing up, because as kids, we would hear the women in the kitchen chattering away, and we thought at first they were talking gibberish, but they're speaking Polish to one another, you know, talking on the phone or talking with each other. Oh, teach us the language, teach us the language. And Grant would put his foot down. Wham! You are American. You will speak English. And I never understood why that was until I heard this story. <laughs> Think about who you are. Think about where you come from. 
Think about the resources that you and I have today, look around, to sort out the important things in our lives and to come to grips with answers to the question, what does it look like for us today to line ourselves up with the compassion of God? <laughs> How many of you folks travel uh, this week? Heading out of town. Uh, I hear there's some storms coming and going. Be careful out there. Uh, if you're not traveling, will we see you sometime Tuesday evening? Yeah? Either at the kids' service or service. Good. Um, something to look forward to. And in the meantime, tap those resources that you have uh, to answer those big questions, just like Joseph did in the story today. Say nice to you,